All right, I'm on now. All right. Hopefully you don't wish I was still off in a few minutes. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Gay. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is really good to be with you this morning. It is, um, we are continuing today our Miracles of Jesus sermon series that we've been doing this summer. And as we have heard about so many amazing miracles this summer, I've been encouraged in my faith. I hope you have as well. As I've been reminded of Jesus' power and purpose. Like when Jesus did these miracles, it was for a reason. It was because he loved the people who needed the miracle. But it was also, as John recorded in the Gospel of John, so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Anyone need some life this morning by the power of Jesus' name? Yeah, I do, for sure. Well, today's miracle that we're going to talk about did just that. It caused Jesus' disciples to believe that their teacher and their friend was truly the Son of God. Now, you would think they had already seen a bunch of other miracles up to this point and maybe already would have believed. But, you know, us humans have a little spiritual amnesia. We don't fully grasp things. And so this really caused them to worship and believe that Jesus was the Son of God. And it helps us see the same thing today, that in our storms, when we need to have faith and take risk and dependence on Jesus, he's present. He's there with us. Let's pray together. Then we will dive in to the miracle of walking on water. <laughs> Jesus, we are so grateful for your love and your presence and your purpose in our lives. We are grateful, Lord, that in those moments when we need you, that you promise to be with us. And so, God, today I pray you would focus our eyes on you and you would meet us right where we are, in the boat, on the water, in the storm that might be around us. We say, come Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we are going to talk today about the miracle of walking on water. Now, Matthew, Mark, and John were all eyewitnesses to this spectacular miracle of Jesus and Peter walking on the water. So let's look at a little bit of context. So immediately before this miracle happens, Jesus had just performed another miracle. He had fed 5,000 people with a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish. Now that would have been a pretty spectacular miracle to see too. And after that, he wanted to get away and go pray in solitude and be in the presence of God. He wanted to get renewed and, and filled up. So he sent his disciples ahead of him in a boat across the Sea of Galilee so he could have that time alone. Now, each gospel, Matthew, Mark, and John, share this story, and they each have a little bit different details about it, but we're going to focus mostly on Matthew today. So let's read the story a couple of verses at a time and talk about what we might learn about faith and storms today. So we're going to read in Matthew 14, starting in verse 22. It says, immediately after this, the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake so he could send the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. 
and night fell while he was there alone. So right away we see that Jesus did something that's a good, good thing for us to notice. He had just like had a big service. He had done some amazing things. He had ministered to people. He had healed them. He had taught them. And he needed to get away and pray. Prayer was a priority for Jesus. And he needed that time before the Father to get renewed and refreshed to do the work that he saw the Father doing and that he was being asked to do. I need that too. I need that when I do the things God's asking me to do. When I just do life, I need to get filled back up in the presence of God. And prayer is one of the ways that we do that. Now, earlier in this chapter... Jesus had just learned that his cousin, John the Baptist, had been killed by King Herod. And it says in verses 13 and 14 that as soon as he heard that news, he got into a boat to go to a remote area to be alone. Now, Jesus needed time to pray. He needed time to grieve. But what happened is that the crowds found out where he was going, and they headed there on foot from lots of different towns. And, you know, it was a crowd of more than 5,000 people. And when Jesus saw that huge crowd, he stepped out of the boat, he taught the crowd, he healed their sick, and he fed them. He fed them spiritually, he fed them physically. And after that, he still wanted to go have time away. So he insisted that his disciples get in the boat and go ahead of him across the lake. Now, Jesus' example of taking time to pray and be with the Father in solitude is a really great example for us. So we do the things God might be asking us to do, and we know we have to refill our souls so we can once again do the purpose of God, to love God and to love others. So prayer is a really good way, and Jesus shows us a great example of remembering who the source of our life is who the source of our strength is. Now let's continue the story in verse 24. So the disciples are out on the boat, and it says, Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. Now storms and winds were not uncommon in the Sea of Galilee in the evening, and these were disciples who had been fishermen. This was their profession before Jesus called them to be fishers of people. And so they had fished this lake many times, and they were aware of how dangerous storms are. So when I think about this sort of miracle, you know, my first thought is, do you think they knew there was a storm coming? They had probably learned how to recognize, you know, approaching storms. And is that why in verse 22 that it says Jesus insisted they get in the boat? Or other translations say Jesus made them get in the boat or compelled them to get in the boat? It seems like as seasoned fishermen, they were a little skeptical about getting in the boat. Would you be a little skeptical if you knew a storm was coming? But they did what Jesus said. And what should have taken them a couple of hours to row across the lake turned into hours and hours of rowing. And they must have been exhausted and frightened. And we read in Mark's account of this story, in Mark 6, an additional detail. It says, Late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake, 
and Jesus was alone on land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves. Now, the middle of the lake, fortunately, when you read this story in the Gospel of John, it's kind of cool to read it in all the Gospels so you get different details. John tells us that the middle of the lake was three to three and a half miles out from shore. Jesus was on land. So he wasn't seeing them with his physical eyes, but he was seeing them with his spiritual eyes. And he knew that his disciples were in trouble. A miracle within a miracle. Friends, Jesus sees you in your difficulties, in your trials, in your storms. He loves you. He cares for you. He sees you when you're exhausted or fearful or very far away from him. He sees you and he makes himself known to you when you need him. You are never out of his sight. Excuse me, I'm going to cough now. Do you feel today, do any of you feel today like you're in the middle of a storm? Jesus sees you. He sees you even if you're far away. He loves you and he cares for you and he wants to come to you and be with you. So as this story continues in verse 25, we get to the walking on the water part. So it says at about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. And in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once and said, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Any of you own a boat here? Any of you go out on the water? Any of you ever seen anybody walking towards you on the water? Not on skis, just with their feet? It would be a little freaky, I think. Um, the disciples were already in a state of fear because of the storm, and their fear increased even more when they saw this person, what they thought was a ghost, walking toward them. They're, they were exhausted. And at that precise moment, when their strength was almost gone, Jesus came to them. And even though the disciples had just witnessed this great miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, they did not expect that Jesus was going to come and perform another miracle. They didn't expect him to walk on the water to meet them in the storm. They didn't even recognize him at first. But his words, when he spoke them, calmed them. His presence calmed their fears. Now, the truth is that Jesus has promised to be with us always, and that includes every storm that we experience. Doesn't mean we won't be afraid. But we can let Jesus calm the storm around us or calm us while the storm is around us. So I want to remind you and encourage you to think of this verse when you feel like the storm is raging and listen to the voice of Jesus when he says, take courage, don't fear, I am here. Jesus is here for each of us. Now next, we get to see Peter's faith and doubt as the story continues in verse 28. 
It says, then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. Why do you think Jesus asked, or Peter asked to walk on the water? Was it his impulsive character? You know, if it was just in being impulsive, don't you think he would have just jumped out of the boat and not asked? I wonder about these things when I read these stories. It's curious. So I think that Peter knew the power of Jesus' words. He may not have fully understood everything, but he had seen enough miracles to have enough faith to know that if Jesus asked him to come out of the boat, that it was possible. And so Jesus does that. He calls Peter out of the boat with one word. He just says, come. So Peter gets out of the boat in faith, risking his life to walk into a wild storm. He leaves the safety of the boat and the safety of his friends. So he had enough faith to try And he walked on water through the power of Jesus. Now, Peter did the impossible when he relied on Jesus to make it happen. He was the only one of the disciples that asked to get out of the boat. So, let's take a poll this morning. This is not a shame poll. This is just a reality poll. Who in here would have asked Jesus to call them out of the boat to walk on water? Yep, I've got, I, I knew this, I knew it would be those three. There you go. Well, let me introduce you to another disciple of Jesus we learn about later, and his name is Thomas. Thomas doubted. You know, Thomas was the disciple who questioned Jesus. I would not have asked Jesus to call me out of that boat. I would have probably hidden under the seat if there was one. I, that would not be me. I would have been like, are you kidding? What? Why? What's going to happen? But Peter didn't do that. Peter had faith in that moment and I think the personality and the wiring and the prompting of God to do so. But you know what is really cool and I think is true for all of us, whether we are doubters, skeptics, questioners, or full of faith, that when we do get out of the boat... We get the opportunity to experience the power of God in miraculous ways. Doesn't mean we don't experience God if we choose to not get out of the boat, but we have a chance to really experience the amazing, miraculous power of God when Jesus says, come, and we choose to do that. So has Jesus ever called you out of the boat? Ever spoken to you in a uncertain or scary time in your life, and is he calling you now to trust him, to take a risk, to step out of the boat? As we continue in verse 30, we get to see Peter's humanity again, where fear begins to overtake him. So in verse 30, it says, but when Peter saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. You know, I think Peter shows us in this story wonderful faith 
and certain humanity, you know. He's walking on water, but he, he had to keep his eyes on Jesus, and there was this real raging storm around him. So there were things that were there to distract him, and he only began to sink when he took his eyes off of Jesus. You know, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus when the storms come into our life. The storms of life challenge us. They challenge our focus. Peter was doing an amazing thing while he was looking at Jesus through the power of Jesus, but there was a very real storm around him that caused him to shift his focus. It would have caused me to shift my focus. And so he turned to the storm and his, he began to sink. Now, I am aware it is not easy to keep your eyes on Jesus when things come against you, when storms rage around you. Sometimes we lose sight of Jesus quickly, like when there's like something that catches us off guard, you know, maybe a sudden loss, an illness, and we lose our gaze. That's certainly happened to me a few times in life where something sudden has happened. But you know, more often than not in my own life, Taking my eyes off Jesus has happened gradually. It's happened through distraction. It's happened through sin. It's happened through discouragement or resentment or unforgiveness. It's happened through things that I let sit in my life and, you know, ruminate on for too long without turning them over to Jesus or getting the necessary help I might need or talking to someone in community about them. And that's happened many times to me over the years, but I'm going to just share a little bit about um, a more recent time where that happened, you know. I mean, I've lived for 63 years, I guess that means I'm in my 64th year. Um, and so this has happened a couple of times. But back in 2021, um, I had a real major crash in my life. Now. You probably know there were things going on in 2021, like COVID, and we were isolated from each other. Um, there was a lot of, you know, division and polarization between people, both about COVID and politics and, you know, just messy, messy things in our society. And between COVID and that isolation and the division, and things were falling apart in my home with my chosen family, and my dear friends were getting divorced. And all of that, I just crashed. I just crashed. And I'll be honest here, I found myself asking questions of God that really scared me. As I mentioned, I'm always a questioner. And, you know, I, I think most people ask those why questions, and then you, you know, grow up a little bit and realize those don't usually get answered, but I still ask them, um, you know, but I found myself like asking a question that felt really scary to me. I was like, what good is this? The world is falling apart. My friends are falling apart. I'm falling apart. You know, what is, what is this faith good for? And that was a, that was a scary place to be. That did not feel good. Now, I was having conversations with God still, but they weren't very pleasant. And that is sort of an awkward place to be for a pastor. It didn't feel like it was in my job description to 
be in that place. And I wasn't sure what to do with that. Did I need to step down? And I just, I start, started to do a few things that I thought might be helpful. Or I didn't even know if I had hoped they would be helpful, but I, I started to do them. Um, I realized, you know, a couple of months into this, that I could not find the good news. And it's hard to get up here and preach if you don't feel like you have good news. So I took myself off the preaching schedule, and I, I stayed off of that for about a year. And I found a good Christian therapist. I went on some medication for my depression. I started meeting with a new spiritual director and started working through some of those hard places and those hard questions. I kept coming to celebrate recovery where I could talk about my depression and anxiety and the things I was feeling. And I think I had, was old enough in Jesus to know I needed to stay in proximity to Jesus, even though my gaze was somewhere else. Does that make sense? So after about six months of that, my conversations with God began to turn from just angry questioning to desperation. Now, that may not sound much better to you, but it was actually progress. And realization, or re-realization, that there wasn't any other source of help for me outside of Jesus. And when that became settled in me, I was able to do what Peter did and cry out for Jesus to save me. But unlike Peter, who did it immediately, it took me about seven months to do it. And I began to, you know, cry out to God. I continued to do the things that, you know, put one foot in front of the other and, you know, see my therapist, see my spiritual director, take my medication, come to CR, you know, go through, you know, what it felt sometimes like the motions of being a pastor, but I just kept doing that. And just like Peter in verse 31, when he cried out for help, it says that Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. He said, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? I'm so glad that the scripture does not say that Jesus said, hey, Peter, I sure hope you can swim. Some, you feel like that might happen sometimes when you're going through stuff? No, he immediately reached out and grabbed him. And he did ask him why he doubted, but it wasn't condemnation. He was refocusing Peter's gaze. You know how you watch those movies, and in the movies somebody's being hysterical, so they slap them across the face, you know, to get their attention? Jesus was not slapping anybody across the face. That's not my point. But what he was doing with that question was recentering Peter's gaze onto Jesus, who was the, you know, only one who could help him. And so even though Peter's faith was faltering, you know, he knew to turn to Jesus, and he did it pretty quickly. Um, I knew to turn to Jesus, and it took me a while. And so no matter which way, or how quickly, or how long it takes you, there's a miracle that will be waiting for you. You know, when you see somebody walking on water, that feels like the real definition of a miracle, right? 
You know, it's just like amazing and out of the realm of imagination. But I want to encourage you today, if you're going through a storm that takes a little longer, that that's still Jesus has a miracle for you. It might be the longer, slower healing work of the Holy Spirit, but it's still an amazing miracle to come through those dark nights of the soul and be able to find your gaze on Jesus again. So be encouraged and have courage, whether slow or fast, there's a miracle for you. Now that Peter had taken a risk, climbed out of the boat, walked on the water, lost his focus, started to drown, and Jesus rescued him, here's what happens next in verse 32. It says, when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped, and then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they said. Isn't that the point that John tells us in the gospel of the miracle? That you will know that Jesus is the Messiah, the very Son of God. So when Jesus climbed into the boat, the storm stopped. Another miracle in a miracle in this story. And the disciples may not have completely understood Jesus' true mission and his true purpose, but it did not stop them from worshiping him at that moment. They knew only God could command the weather. They knew that this was the Son of God. Now, Mark's version adds to the story that says they were completely amazed, for they had not understood the loaves and the fishes. Their hearts were hardened. Now, the Greek word for hardened here simply means that their hearts were dull. They lacked complete, full understanding. Um, but the disciples had just seen Jesus feed 5,000 people. They didn't have complete understanding yet. And what a spectacular thing for Jesus to do, a visual that he gave them and us, that his power and his faithfulness, his protection and his constant presence and care are with us and for us in our storms. So friends, what are you facing today? What are your strong storms and waves? Remember that Jesus is more than willing to climb into the boat and calm the storm or to be with you and calm you when the storm's still raging. Call to him for help like Peter did. Immediately, if you're slow like me, call for help when you can and he will be there. Storms are part of the human experience, but Jesus doesn't let you go through them alone. So if Jesus is calling you out of the boat today to take a step that requires faith or risk or courage just to get up out of bed, he's got power in his presence for you today. Jesus says this in John 16, 33, in this world, you will have trouble. So, you know, it'd be nice if it didn't say it quite that way, but it says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I want to invite the worship team to come back up. And if you would stand with me as you're able, 
have some tips for you as you take this message into your week. The first is to read Matthew 16, 22 to 33, or bonus points, read the whole chapter of Matthew 16, um, and just look at the different things that happen, the different things that the disciples, the followers of Jesus, just like we are, saw Jesus do, and that they have, they're human. It took them a while to begin to understand what Jesus was about, what he was here for. And then pray today for the faith and the courage to respond when Jesus says, come. And you know, isn't it great if you could respond immediately? But I just want to encourage you, if you've been struggling for a long time, maybe today's the day you can respond to Jesus' invitation. And then do keep your eyes on Jesus and step out of the boat when you hear his voice. And take courage. Don't be afraid because Jesus is here. Uh, could I have people on the prayer team come forward to be ready to pray for folks? We're going to respond to God now to the word we've heard through worship, through getting prayer, through communion together. And I had a couple of things I felt like the Holy Spirit prompted me with that people may want prayer for today. You know, if, if you're in the middle of the storm and you need Jesus to save you, and it feels like you don't know how to take a step of faith, I want to encourage you that just stepping out of your chair to come and ask someone to pray for you is an act of faith. It's a risk. It's a way to cry out to God, save me. So maybe Jesus is inviting you not out of the boat this morning, but just out of your chair to come and get prayer. And then some of you may not feel like you're in a storm, but you may be hearing the invitation of Jesus to come, to step out of the boat. Maybe you're being invited into a new way to serve Jesus or, you know, a new job or maybe healing in a relationship and you you want to do it, but you, you have fear. And so today is a good day for you to step out of your seat, take a risk, and let somebody pray for you so that you have the courage to step out of the boat. We're going to worship now, and the worship team will dismiss us when the service is over. Come and get prayer. If you're visiting today, I'd love to meet you after the service.